0: Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective 2020 on Vision
1: There's a saying that truth is stranger than fiction. Well, my attention was arrested when I was sent a headline recently that said Muslim family tortured by visible demonic bat creatures. Then Dad literally sees the light of Jesus. Okay, well, you might say, well, what am I looking at headlines like that for? Well, it was a credible source that sent me this headline and uh, I had a look through the story and thought we might tackle this as a conversation uh, based on our biblical understanding of what's happening, the reality that's going on in real life. While some people's experience sounds far-fetched in a largely secularised nation like Australia, it's not so unusual under our biblical worldview, that people are sometimes tormented by demons. Well, it may be for some a contrast to the idea that many Christian believers have a supernatural encounter with the spiritual realm. Now, we often will talk about having an encounter with God. Isn't that an encounter with the spiritual realm? So we'll focus today on what's happening in the rest of the spiritual realm. So helping us navigate through some of the conversation today and addressing some of the questions, the comments that you might offer in an important conversation like this, Dr. Gladwin Turner, back with us, Bible teacher and author of numerous books. He's also a missionary leader of up to 600 churches around the world. He founded the Australian and Asian Missions Association, working in nations like India and Myanmar, the Philippines, Thailand and other countries. So a special welcome back to 2020 to you, Dr. Gladwin Turner.
2: Thank you, Neil. It's good to be with you today.
1: Gladwin, we have had an earlier conversation along these lines and talking about demonic activity and uh, the reason why i contacted you and uh, wanted to bring you in on this conversation is that i know you take a really good balanced biblical approach to what's happening And along with that, you've got this incredibly huge experience working in nations around the world where the spiritual realm does appear to be heightened bigger than it sometimes appears in Australia. And so I wonder whether we start our conversation just talking about uh, what happens in Australia compared to what happens in other nations around the world because other nations do seem to have a heightened appreciation of this level of spirituality. What are your thoughts?
2: Yes, in Eastern religion there is a a heightened understanding of the spiritual world, no doubt about that. That's a little bit different uh, to the thinking within the Australian Christian community and the secular community. The tendency is within Australia uh, to appropriate these things to tribal religions, maybe in Africa and other places. Here it takes a a a different form, if you like, uh, a more secularized understanding. But nonetheless, it is there and it needs to be dealt with.
1: So when we talk about a secularized understanding, does that mean that in some ways we have tried to explain away the sorts of spiritual activity that might be going on in some people's lives?
2: Absolutely. Uh, That's exactly what I meant. And uh, very often people that have been involved, for instance, in drug use uh, over a prolonged period of time will manifest specific signs of demonic activity. The tendency is with the secular community uh, to treat some of these uh, manifestations as we would call them with such medications such as Prozac uh, to lessen the manifestations or the symptoms.
1: Uh, Let's talk about the sorts of nations in which you're working. And when we talk about being a mission leader uh, with 600 churches and across all of those different nations and coming from these different uh, spiritualities, uh, what sort of experiences have you personally had, perhaps over the years, where you've seen this demonic manifestation in people's lives?
2: Yeah, Uh, we've seen it particularly in some forms of sickness. Now, just let me say, not all sickness is caused by demonic manifestation for your listeners out there, but there are some that are. And uh, when we have uh, specific illnesses that are caused by demonic powers, there are certain indicators um, when we begin to pray uh, for those individuals that the sickness has a very strong spiritual root. Okay.
1: Okay. So when we talk about the connection then between uh, the demonic and sickness, Mm. uh, this is probably one of the ways it manifests itself uh, through sickness, is that... uh,
2: That's one of the ways uh, that demonic activity will uh, evidence itself in people. Now, a good example of this is, say you're praying with a person, um, as I have done, for instance, with a crippled foot. Uh, This was particularly in India, uh, this instance. And as I laid my hands upon the man's foot to pray for him, he suddenly grabbed his hip. And uh, I said through the interpreter, has the pain that's associated with this crippling here, is has that now pain now moved to his hip? And so he asked the fellow and he said, yes, yes. So I then understood that once I'd laid my hands upon his foot, that the actual crippling was caused by a demonic influence, demonic power. I then changed my prayer to exorcising the spirit of infirmity that was in the man and the foot instantly returned to normal.
1: Okay, let's talk about that word exorcising for a few moments, uh, spelt different to the sort of uh, exorcising that we <laughs> might do as we take a walk. Uh, this is uh, This is a significant word. And from time to time, you'll see headlines. They're sort of global headlines about the Catholic Church, in fact, uh, increasing their focus on this idea of exorcism. And a lot of listeners, uh, they might even have in their mind... Uh, you know, images of old movies like The Exorcist, in which the priest goes in with the holy water and, uh, and you know, there's vomiting and all sorts of things that are going on, uh, you know, quite uh, crazy scenes. Uh, but this word exorcising, uh, this is typically associated with the idea of deliverance from demons, and it happens uh, not only in the Catholic Church, but also in Protestant churches as well.
2: That's right. You'll often find uh, in the back of the prayer book that, uh, well certainly the older ones, I'm not too sure with the more recent ones of both the Anglican Church and the Catholic Church, that there are specific prayers uh, listed there for exorcism. So this is not something which is new to the Church or uncommon uh, to the Church as far as the history of the Church is concerned, but certainly um, it is raising its head more lately uh, as people are confronted with issues that they don't really know how to deal with within people.
1: Now, the very important question here, Gladwin, and uh, there'll be listeners who maybe thinking about their own uh, status, whether they're feeling unwell or whether they've had all sorts of visions, uh, uh, sometimes people seeing all sorts of things, ev- even visibly, and wondering whether this is the demonic. Uh, I wonder whether uh, some, some insights into how you might self-diagnose if you, in fact, are being affected by the demonic realm. Uh, Are there special things that you might look for? How does does that sort of thing tend to manifest itself?
2: Normally with uncontrollable impulses, sometimes with uh, sicknesses which are medicated, but the medication does not seem to take any effect over a long period of time. And I mean, I'm talking about uh, issues here of continuing illness which do not illnesses which do not respond to uh, medication there's a couple of instances others are you know people feeling compulsions to do things which are abnormal and uh, which they feel strongly propelled to do and they know those things are wrong but they have absolutely no control over them that's a good sign uh, that a person is possessed
1: Okay, now let's tackle some of the tough stuff early because I know there will be listeners who will want to contribute Uh, I do remember and if anyone's been a Christian for uh, decade upon decades, you'll remember times when there's been a heightened sense of the presence of the demonic and the idea of deliverance from demons Uh, Then there's been the rise of the idea that if you're involved in a uh, deliverance of someone who has a demonic uh, presence, that when something goes wrong, you might get sued. I wonder whether you think that churches in Australia may have uh, tightened their uh, the way that they might deal with this sort of thing because sometimes people might uh, tend to, uh, you know, fake something or or something happens and someone gets injured in an exorcism and somehow then there's a legal action that can follow and churches tighten their belts on this sort of thing. What are your thoughts about uh, things that have developed over p- perhaps the last 30 years?
2: Yes, well, it's interesting that you should uh, raise that because there was a case in Cardiff with some uh, with a Pentecostal church where, um, not used to the practice of exorcism, uh, the senior pastor there and a couple of his elders decided that they would exercise what they believed to be a demon out of a woman. And what they did was they punched the woman. The woman eventually died as a result of that. And you can imagine the ongoing uh, police involvement and cases that were brought against the church as a result of that. That results from ignorance, not an understanding of how biblical exorcism works. It's interesting you find the same thing in um, Islam, which has an exorcist movement. Um, They, in the East, will also punch people to try and uh, remove the demon and the demonic influence out of an individual. That's just one method
1: that's used. (laughs) Uh, Now, it's interesting that we can talk about all sorts of methods and Mm. what people do here, what people do there. As Christian believers, as people who've put our faith in Christ, uh, we have a high view of the Bible. Uh, We look to the uh, central... Uh, person the central personality of the scriptures for some guidance here and i wonder what you could reflect on as to jesus his methods of uh of deliverance and of course uh, even his discussion about the presence of demons in people's lives what are your thoughts on on jesus as the central character of the whole bible that we'd look to to follow if we're looking for principles here
2: well, when we're looking for principles, uh, Acts ten thirty eight says that Jesus went around healing all that was sick and oppressed of the devil. It doesn't say that all sickness there is demonic oppression or possession. There's a difference between oppression and possession. We may discuss that in a little while. But obviously, uh, the New Testament believers, the apostles, they use the name of Jesus um, and the fact that uh, there was authority that was invested in the early church and the early apostles and believers to take authority over these things through his name, uh, because they saw that there was an authority in his name that went with healing uh, such as we read uh, Peter and John outside of the temple, healing the man that was lame in the feet. Though there is no exorcism mentioned there, what we do see is the authority in the name of Jesus. So it's the authority in the name of Jesus. And uh, the scripture tells us in Hebrews uh, 9, uh, 4, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, Purge your conscience from the dead works to serve the living God. You see, frequently uh, possession or oppression comes about through the dead works that people are involved in.
1: Uh, we'll, uh, we'll con- we will talk about oppression and possession. Yes. Uh, that's an important <laughs> one to talk about. And, well let, let's let's uh, let's just bring that uh, to the fore now because somebody says, uh, "I've got a demonic problem. Am I possessed by the devil or a demon? Mm. Uh, or is this an oppression from a demon? How would you tell the difference?
2: We tell the difference normally by uh, firstly entering into a, a place of prayer with the individual but the lord has also given us the uh, gift of discernment of spirits and we need to discern i believe firstly and primarily is this possession or is it oppression oppression is the demonic influence externally to a body the other is where a spirit a demonic indwells a person and those are two different types of uh, deliverance that a person may require, depending how they are afflicted. So once you start to pray, you get a very clear indication um, whether a person is possessed. Normally, what will happen is the person will begin to manifest, and uh, that manifestation may occur in a number of different ways. It may occur with, in actual fact, sometimes in Papua New Guinea, stones will actually come out of a person's mouth. Very difficult to believe, but that's what happens. There will, sometimes there'll will be coughing, vomiting, and the physogamy, the face of a person, will change uh, inordinately um, you know, into a figure frequently that a person could not, with his musculature um, evidence on his own, without there being some other influence. Just recently, um, I exercised a person who had walked with the Lord for many years, had been in a a drug-addictive situation prior to coming to Christ, had served Christ for a number of years. Then, slowly, under circumstances that were evidenced uh, external to himself, he went slowly back into his addictive um, habits prior to coming to Christ. That man ended up possessed. I had a deliverance session uh, with him in the Philippines in my most recent trip. And uh, I was I was standing behind him, didn't see the manifestation on his face. I had three other pastors there who were actually standing um, in front of him. And they said his whole physiognomy changed and it looked like a frog. Wow. Incredible stuff. Okay, now. (laughs) That was I know
1: it is, uh, and it is uh, a challenge for people who might be listening to a conversation similar to this for the first time. Uh, But we are aware of this idea of oppression of demons, uh, possession of demons. Let me add another dimension in here, uh, which may actually be more common in a Western a nation like Australia, perhaps with its uh, secularization, this idea of deception. So you've got oppression, you've got possession, and deception as what may be a purpose uh, for what a demonic being might have on the life of a person. What are your thoughts on deception?
2: Deception is very real. I mean, Satan very clearly is a deceiver. Uh, he dece- and uh, right we see this deception, of course, going right back to Genesis, don't we? In the garden, where um, Eve uh, was deceived by Satan to partake of the fruit, and then the Scripture you know, very clearly indicates that Adam uh, willingly partook of that fruit. So there is a there is a sense in which Satan has been involved in deception all along. He deceives people, particularly in. Uh, You know, as people are pursuing, uh, looking for uh, things in life that have meaning. And so we find with young people, many young people today are living without a hope. And so because they're living without a hope, um, you know, all they are being presented with is you live to die. They're looking for something real. And very often this leads them, not always, uh, leads them into uh, exploration into Drugs. And what I have discovered is that long term drug use opens a person up to demonic possession. We've del- I've delivered many, many uh, drug users over the years um, from demonic powers. All begins with a deception. If you try this, you're going to experience something which is quite abnormal and it will be good for you.
0: Life, culture, and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on vision
1: dr gladwin turner is our guest we're talking about the demonic today one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen 316 316 to join in our conversation uh, let's take a call jonathan is in perth wa hello jonathan welcome along yeah hello jonathan what are your thoughts
0: yeah as you know as i was listening to the uh, the speaker what you said exactly you know especially we that are from africa we know what it means, uh, demonic attack, because normally when our people are not Christian, they have contact with the demonic system. So we know that. But in the West, especially in Australia where they live, in, you dress it up the a nightmare. Or you take it to be... you. Some people decorate on their houses. They put a the symbol of a dragon. And we're surprised. Why? Why do you see become form? And they open their sight to demonic attack.
1: Okay, Jonathan, good thoughts there. Let's get a a response here from Dr. Gladwin Turner. Uh, people who are under demonic attack and uh, as Jonathan reflects from his African background, this is commonplace in Africa and uh, people wearing symbols uh, to display the uh, the uh, the idea of uh, of this spiritual realm. Uh, your thoughts for Jonathan, uh, Gladwin.
2: Yeah, look, uh, having been to Africa, I, I agree uh, exactly. Um, one of the things that we find very clearly in africa is christians that do not believe uh, in deliverance ministry or or demons very often the christian converts will walk past the church and go to the local shaman in order be in order to have the demonic dealt with but of course You know, there you have black magic, you also have white magic, and the shaman deals in white magic, but what happens is is another form of demonic bondage takes over. Now, I didn't hear everything uh, that Jonathan said, so if you could just clarify some of that, but look, very, very real. Um, I can tell you of one uh, village where uh, they will bury a corpse across the door, of the entrance to their homes. It'll be a loved person, loved one. And then through specific incantations to the spirit of the loved one, the property of the homes are protected. So if somebody comes in to steal something, and this, this actually happens there, they will go to grab the item that they're after and they will be frozen on the spot with the item in their hand until the owner comes home. Now, explain that. Uh, You cannot explain it except that it be in the realm of the spiritual. These things are very real and very, very African.
1: Okay. Jonathan from Perth, thank you so much for your insight today. 1-800-316-316 if you'd like to join our conversation. Let's take a call from Susan in Kadena. Hello, Susan. Welcome along. Hello. Hi, Susan. What are your thoughts on our conversation today?
3: Well, I've been studying spiritual welfare for a few years now. I'm actually a Pentecostal Christian, and my background's like Messianic Jewish background, but I'm a Christian. Um, I've had a lot of trouble with um, cancer in our family, and somebody in my mother's town said that there was a cancer curse that was put on our family generations ago. I was just wondering how I could maybe somehow break that, because I, I'm facing, at the moment I'm going through my third lot of cancer treatment, um, for breast cancer. I was just wondering, do you think that that would be really true that there could be a cancer curse on a family? Because nearly everybody in a family dies of cancer.
1: Gladwin Turner, your thoughts for Susan?
2: Yeah. Look, uh, just let me say this. If a curse is spoken over a, a person unwarrantedly, according to Proverbs chapter 26 and verse 2, the Hebrew actually reads like this, Neil that like a fluttering bird, it will return, it will return uh, to the person that has spoken upon it. And the idea is the curse alights on the individual that has spoken it if that curse is unwarranted. Now then, in most instances, uh, recurrence of cancer, because I have a medical background as well, uh, it is a identifiable marker in the DNA. Uh, So there is a predilection to cancer coming down through uh, families, um, but not always, just let me say that. Uh, So if she believes that there is a curse that's come down upon the family, the scripture makes it very clear too, also in Ezekiel chapter 18, that for us, for those who believe This will not occur. For instance, in actual fact, um, the the scripture reads like this: the the parents' teeth have been set; the parents have eaten sour grapes, that their teeth have been set on edge. um, But for their children, it will not be so. In other words, the curse will not come down. So there's another aspect to the curse and it's ezekiel in the 18th chapter there is specifically speaking uh to the believer but very often you know we get trapped uh into thinking that we have a predilection to these things because somebody has told us that this has been spoken over us so look i would certainly have prayer I'd certainly um, look to the Lord uh, for that. Um, I'm just looking up that passage in Ezekiel chapter 18 now. It says, The fathers have eaten sour grapes, and the children, the children's teeth have been set on edge. As I live, says the Lord God, you shall no longer use this proverb in Israel. Behold, all souls are mine. The soul of the Father as well as the soul of the Son is mine. So there is a very clear indication there that, For the believer, this will not be so. It will not transfer. Does that help, Susan? Does that help?
3: I don't know because um, this is—I've been fighting it for about 19 years now, and I do have the breast cancer one gene. But I, I don't know. I go for so much prayer and everything, and and my belief is strong, but I still keep getting the cancer, and I'm just getting upset. I don't understand why I have to keep going through the treatment. Why? Why God doesn't? heal me before I have to
1: have all this treatment. I think Susan uh, you'll need to continue to trust in the Lord uh, whether he comes through for you or not Uh, but uh, thank you so much for your call and thank you Gladwin for your response for Susan. We're about to go to news Gladwin let's continue to take some calls. I think probably the best thing because uh, lots of people trying to get through. Okay. Uh, Let's take a call from Peter in Perth. Hello Peter welcome along. Yeah hi Peter, what are your thoughts on our conversation today?
0: I just want to encourage people. Obviously, I believe in, in the spiritual realm and its effects on breaking through into the natural. However, for Christians specifically, to save themselves a lot of grief and those perhaps also in sickness, to be in, to fill themselves with God's Word and really on it. And one verse that's really given me a lot of strength and confidence is First uh, Colossians, rather, Colossians 1. Uh, 13. It says, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. and We can have knowledge and power that Col- Colossians also gives us other uh, direction on putting off and putting to death whatever belongs to a sinful nature.
1: Uh, Peter, some good thoughts in there. Let's get a response from Gladwin. Uh, Gladwin, your thoughts for Peter in Perth. Yeah.
2: Look, um, we ha- he has delivered us uh, from the powers of darkness. One of the issues that we find is this, that uh, under the activity of the Spirit of God, because man is born by the Spirit, Jesus made it very clear to Nicodemus, who came to him, that man must be born of the Spirit. When man is born of the spirit the spirit acts through um, the spirit of man upon the mind of man to bring a transformation the regretful thing is that the activity of the body sometimes takes a little while to fall in line with the mind of the spirit so some of the past habitual behaviors still continue for a period of time once a person becomes a christian That's the process of what we call sanctification. Sanctification in scripture is in three tenses. I was sanctified, that's when I was saved. It's also in the present continuous tense. It's an ongoing salvific experience as I come under the word of God and daily washed by the word. Now, in relation to a Christian being influenced by the demonic, uh, what I have discovered is this, that People are either oppressed or possessed before they come to Christ. It's now the ministry of the church to deal with that, the habitual behavior problems which are an ev- evidence of demonic uh, activity which is caused by the habituating lifestyle of the past. Now, not everybody, of course, is possessed. It depends on what they're involved in. And one of those involvements is certainly drugs and uh, occult activity. So there is an ongoing process. Yes, we are delivered uh, from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. That's the work of Christ. I am redeemed. I am saved. Hallelujah. Praise God for that. Yeah. But there is this ongoing influence that people are often fighting for, uh, for deliverance from. And sometimes uh, people find that it's very, very difficult to control the habituating influence of the past. Now, that can be oppressive or it can be possessive, just depending what they're involved in. I hope that helps.
1: Okay, Peter from Perth, thank you so much for your call. Our talkback line open on 1-800-316-316. We're talking about uh, some pretty... Uh, unusual sorts of things today and uh, particularly if you have a very sort of secularized view of what happens in the world this is very strange to you uh, but this is very much part of a biblical worldview that there is a spiritual realm you can be part of our conversation today one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. 316 316 you can also leave a comment uh, others might like to see your story too on our facebook page facebook.com forward slash vision radio let's take a call penny is in victoria hello penny
4: well, hello, I'm a frequent uh, listener and a caller, too. I think I've spoken to you. I've got a daughter who's just last week turned 18. And she she was, out of the three girls, she was my right hand. Unfortunately, I don't know what happened to her. She changed. Australian school of ballet, music, everything. She's fallen on the road now. And what I mean is she doesn't go to school anymore. She's going through depression. Depression has, to, uh, I don't know now, it's psychosis. She cuts herself very badly. But she only lives in black and skulls. She's got black eyelet, The Her eyes are scary. She has tried to commit suicide and has we've saved her there. Uh, my husband is Australian. And what happened is I come from Ceylon and... I used to believe, I did believe in all this demonic. But after I met my husband, my views changed. But watching my daughter, there have been times I have been scared of her. When that look she has given me has frightened me to pray. And she doesn't let me pray over her. And I'm beginning to wonder. She goes to this house and they live... They're not our cup of tea. I know we are all God's kids,
1: but... Penny, I think there'll be a lot of people who can relate to your story. What happens when our teenagers go into a time of rebellion and in such a way that some of the symbols of their life reflect what we might be talking about today, uh, whether there is the potential for that to be demonically influenced? Uh, Your thoughts for Penny Gladwin. Look, there could
2: be two reasons here. Um, firstly, let's look at the medical reason. Um, you know, between the ages of 17 and 25, people can uh, fall into or develop um, bi- a bipolar condition. Mm-hmm. Um, and, that, and so their mood swings can change uh, very drastically. Um, they can go from passive uh, to aggressive very quickly it could be a medical situation like that. The other thing is i 'm um, wondering whether uh, some of the people that are influencing her in her orb of friends uh, may be doing drugs and she 's got in and she is now introduced into the drug scene. That would probably be um, you know my guess on this one unless there has been any um, a familial uh, bipolar situation uh, within the family uh, over the successive generations. Uh,
1: Penny, I hope that is helpful to you. Uh, thank you so much for calling and uh, and to sharing your story there too. And uh, our prayer is that there will be some breakthrough there. In fact, uh, in fact, for Penny, before we let Penny go, I wonder whether Gladwin, you might like to pray uh, for Penny's situation. Are you able no, to do that yes, for us? And
4: it's- I girl as well because she blames me. She's working and studying, but she's taken to the booze now.
1: Okay, there's, a, there's all sorts of complexities there, Penny. Mm. But uh, Gladwin, would you lead us in a prayer for Penny and her family? Absolutely. Father,
2: we just lift up Penny and her life situation right now, particularly with these two girls, Father. Lord, you know our circumstances. You know our faith, Father. And, Lord, we can call on you in any circumstance whatsoever, believing, Father, that we can receive an answer from you. Father, firstly, I just pray that you would just uh, evidence what is happening with these two young women, Father, that, Lord, whether it is uh, drugs that they're involved in, Father, and if it be so, Father, we just come against the spirit that is behind that, Father. We pray, Lord, that these young girls will receive you as Lord and Saviour, Father. We pray that you'd lead them to a place of faith and a place of deliverance, Father, from the effects of the world, Father. If it be a medical condition, Father, we also ask, Lord, that you just might receive reveal that but father we pray that you would overrule in this situation and we ask for the redemption of these two souls in jesus precious name amen
1: amen Amen. thank you so much penny in victoria for your call and uh, if we're talking about the seriousness here it may even feel entertaining to talk about these issues of the demonic But when these sorts of things enter into our family and there are our teenagers cutting themselves and attempting suicide, it becomes very, very real when we don't have the answers, uh, where medical science doesn't appear to be able to help, where uh, the counsellor that we might seek doesn't seem to have the answers. uh, When we come to those situations, Uh, sometimes our last resort, which perhaps ought to be our first resort, is to call upon the Lord so uh, thank you so much to penny and uh, our prayers are that there will be a tremendous breakthrough for your family we're taking calls 1-800-316-316 uh, let's continue to take some calls robbie is in kalgoorlie in wa hello robbie welcome along g'day how are you going very well robbie what are your thoughts for our conversation
5: right yeah well there i can tell
1: you a direct
5: experience i had it was a, one of the most experienced intense experiences of my life i had this thing visit me in the middle of the night it was right next to my west ear I was so full of darkness and hatred towards God. I used to have to have vision radio on pretty well 24 hours a day because of the blasphemy and all that that was in me. This came about because I was like uh, 30 years i more into new agey stuff, uh, also sexual addiction. Um, We've been California for a long time and just partied and done things over there, not into drugs so much. Um, and um, yeah, things are good now. I've been, I've kept, pretty, kept myself pretty straight. I go to church, I'm a Catholic. Uh, but I'm still disconnected a bit and I can't get rid of it. And, the, uh, and I think, you know, the Catholic Church uh, in Perth or in West Australia don't seem to do a lot like from what I, um, uh, as in my opinion, to help out, you know. And I, I think that's pretty well, There's not a lot of exorcists around the world now. Um, yeah, anyway, I kind of feel I just need to go in the bush and fast or something to try to break it, but it's been very
1: hard. Okay, and good point you're making here, Robbie. Do, uh, right let's get a way. let's get a thought or two from Gladwin on Robbie's situation and and whether you can actually uh, have this breakthrough from demonic oppression uh, on your own without having someone be the go-between in that sense. Uh, but if, what from what you've heard of Robbie, uh, Gladwin, what are your thoughts for him?
2: Look, fasting would help absolutely. Normally, before I. Um I have a deliverance session with somebody. I ask them to fast, and uh, that, that makes the exorcism a lot easier. Just let me say that. And often, uh, frequently I will fast with them uh, prior to that exorcism. Um, so fasting does help, definitely. Um, if he's going to a Catholic church in, uh, in Perth, I would recommend that he seek out a Pentecostal church and, and have some prayer over him, uh, just to clear any future. I would think at this stage that he's, he is still under some oppression. And just get prayer over him and uh, I would say he should be good
1: Uh, Robbie from Kalgoorlie in WA thank you so much for your call and for sharing your story with us Uh, this might be a little bit of a concern for some to cross over denominational barriers but I suppose and I'll get your thoughts here Gladwin when you say uh, visit a Pentecostal church typically Pentecostal churches are open to dealing with issues when it comes to this sort of spiritual oppression that might come from the demonic but, but really going outside of your own denomination, if you can find some help within your denomination, that, I guess, would be the ideal? Absolutely,
2: if you can. Um, I would suggest that he's probably spoken about this with his priest. Uh, I would, would have thought that he had and uh, probably not received uh, what he needs. I'm not suggesting he changed churches. All I'm suggesting is that, hello, he just reach out to somebody that understands more the demonic realm. You see, just let me put it this way. Um, When Catholics prepare for the ministry, um, their six years is mainly spent studying church history and papal bulls and and the dogmas and the theologies associated there with. Um, uh, Brother Stephanus, who used to be here in in Sydney, he was their top Greek scholar. I had a number of conversations with him over a period of time. And he was the one that um, opened my eyes to the nature of the training that they received. He was spirit-filled and a a good guy, you know. Um, I don't think he is anymore at their seminary here. But um, that's where I, I got the understanding that their theological understanding from Genesis to Revelation is not as clear or as articulate uh, as it should be.
1: Okay, thank you so much to Robbie in Kalgoorlie in WA, 1-800-316-316 time for maybe only one or two more calls, let's take a call, an anonymous caller from Victoria. Hello, welcome along to 2020. Uh,
6: Hello, thank you for having
1: us on. What are your thoughts?
6: Okay, Um, i am Referring back to an incident I had in a, a previous ministry, I'm a pastor, and I was in a ch- new to a church which had a history of uh, adultery, breaking marriages. There have been about three or four marriages before my time there where marriages broken up due to adultery. Uh, unfortunately, the congregation had never really addressed it. It just happened and nothing much was said. Uh, and when I got there, uh, another couple got caught in that situation and what we did was we asked them to step forward in front of the congregation, very simply say that they were having a lot of issues and struggles in their relationship with each other. Uh, and they were asking for support from the church. And out of the corner of my, and as people came forward to lay hands on and, and pray for them, out of the corner of my eye, I saw Uh, in part of the church, what looked like a a grey-skinned figure uh, sort of slammed down to the ground and a crack like its back was being broken. And since then, there's been no issues of uh, marriage struggles with adultery
1: in the church. Okay. A thought or two from Gladwin for uh, our uh, anonymous pastor calling from Victoria.
2: (laughs) Yeah, look, I know exactly what he's talking about. Um, There was a church in the States uh, where the senior minister was uh, had an adulterous affair. The board uh, moved him gently aside. Nothing was dealt with. The next minister that took his place, guess what happened? An adulterous affair, and they moved him gently aside, sent him away, you know, never explaining, never addressing anything in the church. The third fellow that followed, same thing happened. And it was not broken, that spirit of adultery in the church was not broken until that was dealt with publicly. Praise God, it was dealt with. And look, yeah, there there is a spirit that can enter a church and can influence a specific type of sin. And that's one of the things that pastors need to be... Uh, watching
1: out for. Well thank you so much to the pastor from Victoria and uh, certainly appreciate why you would stay anonymous too as a pastor and talking about some uh, issues that might have gone on uh, in your church. I wish him
2: well in his ministry.
1: (laughs) That's right. And uh, and of course, pastors, as you say, as you're reflecting on Roman Catholic priests as they're going through training, well, every pastor, whether they be Catholic uh, or Protestant, perhaps the evangelical or Pentecostals, uh, there's a learning curve that pastors are on for their entire lives. And more pastors... Uh, some pastors come into contact with this sort of uh, spiritual realm experience more often or earlier in their ministry than others, and there's a getting of wisdom along the way. Your thoughts on on the getting of wisdom uh, and actually operating in the ministry, like uh, someone who might be in an exorcism ministry?
2: Yeah, look, um, I w- had was mentored by an elderly pastor who was involved in exorcisms, and uh, but my real first encounter. Uh, on my own, was when I was leading a couple to the Lord uh, early on uh, when we planted the church, Southside Christian Fellowship. And um, this uh, particular woman I was leading to the Lord in our lounge room one night, as I was leading her through the sinner's prayer, was just picked up bodily in front of me and thrown across the lounge room. I I got up, rushed over to her, and... Um, She uh, said, help me, I'm dying. Um, Not exactly the way I said it. And uh, I looked at her and she was cyanosed under the fingernails and around the lips. In other words, she was actually dying. Um, You know, the the symptoms indicated death. I put my hand upon her arm and it was as cold as any corpse that I'd ever touched in the bod room. Just let me say that. And I said to the Lord, what is it? He said, it's a spirit of death. I didn't know there was such a spirit. But then I realized the scripture says that Satan's come to kill, steal, and destroy. So I I took authority over that demon. It left her. We then continued the sinner's prayer. Her husband who was present was watching on. And as I looked at him, I mean, he was pale as. And he didn't want anything to do with Jesus. And I said to him, do you want to receive Christ now? He said yes, and he dropped to his knees. We led him in a sinner's prayer. They were with us for a few years, joined another church, and then trained for the ministry, and I believe they're pastoring somewhere today. I've lost contact with them.
1: There are those who've been delivered from a demonic experience, those who've been on the deliverance end, uh, the laying on of hands, the use of the name of Jesus, uh, the seeing uh, in real life, Uh, the subordination of demons to the name of Jesus. This does something for your faith, uh, no doubt. Uh, It it enhances your capacity to believe God in so many areas of your life. What does it do for you when you've seen this sort of activity, Gladwin?
2: It just makes the reality of the Christ that we serve uh, so much effective in relation to the ministry that he's called us to. Uh, and I just love seeing people delivered, I love seeing people healed, and I love seeing people grow in their faith in Christ Jesus. But it, it, I want to tell you, it certainly makes a difference to the way you pray, it certainly makes a difference to the way you minister to people, and the way that you look at the problems which they
1: have. Uh, now, I note that one of your books in a series about Christian growth is... Uh, directed to this idea of spiritual warfare. Uh, No doubt you're talking about uh, issues of uh, demonization and those sorts of things in there too. Uh, How do people get a hold of your books, Gladwin? They
2: can through the Southside Christian Fellowship website or the Australian and Asian Mission Association website.
1: All right, so I'll get listeners, uh, if you'd like to uh, access copies, or if you'd like, contact with Dr. Gladwin Turner. Uh, if you'd like to uh, be a part of uh, I imagine that there's some uh, ongoing deliverance ministry and I know you spend a lot of time outside of our borders Mm. uh, in uh, the mission activities that you're involved in but uh, no doubt through Southside Christian Fellowship in Miranda in Sydney uh, there'll be some way that people can get referral to some help uh, even if uh, not available necessarily while you're not in town so so this is a, a couple of things to Google Uh, to get some contact with Dr. Gladwin Turner, Southside Christian Fellowship, Miranda in Sydney, and also, as Gladwin mentioned, the Australian and Asian Missions Association, uh, where 600 churches are a part of that association, uh, being led by Dr. Gladwin Turner, our guest today. Uh, Simply Google either of those to make contact. Gladwin, thank you so much for taking some time to share your thoughts and your heart with us today on 2020.
2: Thank you, Neil.